Hey everyone, welcome to episode 40 of the Solving Problems podcast, where we talk about the real communication problems your church is facing and give you practical steps to solve them. We haven't met, my name is Jonathan Caron, and in today's episode, the problem that we're trying to solve is that people are wired differently. You know, in this season, we are talking about the things that we have to admit to ourselves to effectively communicate with our church. And one of those things is that people are wired differently. They all learn in different ways and respond to different things. And while some are motivated by fun and exciting things, others want to know details and facts before they commit to something. So the big idea for today's episode is that for us to have success in motivating our church to respond, whether that's to an event, to a service, or to the gospel, we have to recognize that everyone learns in different ways and then adapt our communication styles to those different learning styles. It takes learning how other people are wired so that we can effectively communicate with them. In today's episode, we're talking with Jackie Brewster. She's a certified Enneagram coach who works with church leadership teams all across the country. She also puts on workshops with churches to help couples, teams, and people learn how God's wired them so they can uncover the best versions of themselves. On top of all that, she's got a new book out this week called Hearing God Speak. It's a 52-week interactive devotional combining the Enneagram system with biblical truth. And if I'm completely honest, I had about 12 weeks of one-on-one Enneagram coaching with Jackie last fall, which was by far the best investment in myself and my family, um, and quite frankly, you guys and anyone that I talk to. Uh, so today, we're going to use the Enneagram as our jumping off point and our framework but the overarching idea will be how we need to consistently adapt our messaging in order to communicate to all the different learning styles in our church. So I'm gonna bring the dance music back for just a second and then Jackie will be on the other side. All right, we're back with Jackie Brewster. Jackie, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, people. So today's big idea is that for us to have success in motivating our church to respond, whether to an event, to a service, or to the gospel, we have to recognize that everyone learns in different ways and then adapt our communication styles to those different learning styles. So Jackie, as an Enneagram coach, you've done the deep dive into the ins and outs of pretty much every different personality type there is out there. Um, so in all this, the counseling and the coaching and the studying you've done, what's the biggest thing you think we get wrong in how we communicate things in church? That's such a great question. I think that one of the things is without awareness, then we approach every person through our lens, if that makes sense. So I'm an Enneagram coach, like you said, and so I talk about nine different personality types and these nine different personality types view the world in a different way, in a different lens. And so with that lens, we think everybody else sees the exact way we do, right? Until we come up into different circumstances and, and we hear different people's comments and think like, what are they thinking, right? So when we go to communicate in church, whether it's on stage or whether it's in small groups, we oftentimes communicate in the way that we take in information, the way that we process information. And so I think the biggest hiccup right now, right, is is the inability to understand that other people have a different point of view or other people have a different perspective um, or they feel things differently or they see the world completely differently than you do. And guess what? It's okay. And that's a part of the, the understanding that we do with Enneagram. It's teaching empathy and compassion is that 
it's okay for people to see the world a different way than you do. It's it's about getting into it with other people and, and listening to their point of view point of view and their perspective um, that really helps us grow as people and communicators. I, when I'm a seven, you know that we've gone through all this coaching, you're a seven too. And mm-hmm. so we like the fun and the happy. And whenever I get on stage, uh, I tell people that um, there's a good chance I'm going to say something I'm not supposed to, because I go for the quick joke. I want to make people laugh. I want to people have people have fun. So if I'm doing announcements, I'm all upbeat and cheery and Uh, For some people, they love that. And then some people, they're just like, I wish this guy would shut up and get to the point so that we can move on and do what we're here to do. So that's how I'm wired as a seven. Um, If we if we go through the Enneagrams, there are um, so a five, for example, they're probably more interested in what they can learn and the details of whatever the commitment is that we're asking them to do. Um, Nicole, my wife, who you have gone through coaching with as well, uh, she is a typical one. She is the perfectionist through and through, and she wants to know the plan and every single detail before she will even consider committing to anything. So let's talk through the general idea of how people are wired and what they're looking for. So if you can, in the most overview basic way, let's go through the different personality types and so that people can understand what each type of person is looking for. Yeah, I, this is one of the things I love to do. It's, it is a really quick snapshot of each Enneagram number. So, you know, when each one of us walk into an environment, and that's what we're talking about right now, right? Church, walking into an environment, taking in the information, processing the information. This is what people are looking for when they walk into your environments. So as a one, the perfectionist, they're they're looking for like what is good, what is right. And they see, automatically see all the things that are wrong. Um, Their eye is just drawn to that. So but they want to know that they're good. So they want to be involved in something that's good. They want to attach themselves to something that's good. So they're looking for that within uh, your church. Like what is the good thing you guys are doing and how can they be a part of that? And so as we look at the two, the two is the, um, the nurture and, you know, they want to know that they're wanted. And so when they walk into the environment, they're looking for ways to serve. Um, you know, not all twos feel like this. I, I want to say that because I think a lot of times I deal with um, a lot of different types of people. And sometimes the twos are like, I don't really want to serve anybody, just the people I love. So maybe they want to get connected into a small group and they're looking for their community in that. And so they want to know that they're wanted in that environment. And that's a really big part for a two when they're entering into a church is where do I fit? You know, where am I going to be invited in? Um, And also, where can I use my giftings and talents that's going to be valuable and valid, you know, or valued in uh, in that environment? So the three is the achiever or performer, um, you know, and said they want to know that they are valued for who they are without their achievements, which is really a tricky one for a three, because most of the time they feel like they have to prove their worth through achievement, through success, through drive, whatever it is. So they walk into an environment and they're like, okay, who's important? You know, what, um, what's happening in the moment? Who should I talk to? Where's the lead pastor or the lead person that's over this event. Uh, and then they want to get into those conversations. I want to get in with those people because they think if I can get attached there, if I can get connected there, then I can figure out how I can find worth in this environment. If you're a four, the individualist, you know, you're really, 
you walk into an environment and you want to know that you're accepted just as you are. You're already a little bit prickly. I say this a lot about a four. Um, it's more porcupine prickly than it is like a turtle shell, hard shell. It's more like, ah, you know what? They're probably not going to accept me. You know, they're probably going to think I'm weird or they're going to, they're going to uh, misjudge me or something like that. So a lot of the times a four walks in a little bit guarded. And so, you know, they are looking for a group of people where they can find acceptance and they can find validation. Um, and they want to be a part of something big. They really, really care about how other people are treated. Um, they, they really care about authenticity. Uh, so they're really looking for that in the environment. Like, how can I be a part of this? And is it true? Is it real? Do these people really do what they say they're doing? They want to know that. That's a really big deal for them. So as a five, the investigator, when they walk into an environment, just like you said, Jonathan, they just want to know, like, what, how long is this going to take? What's the requirement? Do I want to invest my time in this? When can I go home and be by myself again? Exactly. They really are like, okay, uh, service. It's, you know, 59 minutes on the dot. It went two minutes over. Like, hey, that went over. And the rest of us are like, I, I felt the same to me. And they're like, that went two minutes over. And so there is that feel with a five. They're like, this is, I want to know what's expected of me. So when they, you know, engage in church, it really is what's expected. You know, what do I want to be involved in? What's the time frame that it's, it's going to take for me? What is the investment I have to do? They're really looking at that. And they do want to make a difference. One of the things I push for when I do websites with churches is to try to let people know how long their services are. Because I mean, there are those people out there who are fives, and we're not going to get into the ins and outs of um, Enneagram, but like the, the different people have a five wing, or they may go to five and different. So there, a lot of people are touched by that idea of they want to know what their commitment is and how long it is. So a simple way, and we'll get into more of this in a minute, but having that time commitment on the website or in our announcements, hey, this event's going to take about two hours, or serve day, we're going to be there from nine to noon or whatever it is, like that little tiny bit of information, it could be all it takes to wrap that one person in. Right. And I think that, like you said, there's a lot of us that touch that five. So sevens, you and I both go to a five in health. And so I'm like, yeah, like, I want to know, I want to know the the ins and outs. I do. I want to know how long do I have to commit to this? Like, what is this? Um, and I want to do, I want to commit to it, but I want to know that there's some, some structure around it um, because I don't want to be there all day. That's Whereas a three is like, Hey, you're, I'm around people. Okay. I'll, I'll be that guy. Just show me where I need to be and I'll show up. Yes. Yes. But seven have other things to do. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be tied in too much. So we'll, all right, before we get too much yeah. into us, cause me and you can make fun of ourselves all day long. Um, what's a six. Yeah. Let me go into the six. So the six is the loyalist. And when they walk into an environment, they're really looking for, can they trust the leadership at this church? Can they trust the people that are handling the finances? Can they trust the people that are that are doing outreach? Can they trust the people and are they doing what they say they're going to do? They really care about safety and security. And they're really looking for somebody to look up to. Now, they oftentimes have a lot of questions and they're not afraid to poke holes at things and see like, is this stable? Is this, is this worth me investing in? Is this a safe place for me and my family? So there is a lot of um, like cautionary movement for a six. Like they kind of hold themselves back. They want to take in the environment. So they may try a church for quite a while before they actually get invested into it because they want to know that these people are worth trusting. And that's a huge part. I think that, you know, even us understanding that in leadership of a church is that not everybody wants to jump in on the first round. 
You know, uh, most people don't. They want to know that this is going to fit their, their family dynamics and that, you know, this is this makes sense for all people involved and that they can be trusted. There's a lot of trust in um, in a lot of these numbers, especially when it comes to church. Like if I'm going to invest my time, money, um, and, and resources into this, is it safe? You know, and that's a huge part of a six. Yeah. And so just a quick plug um, for people who may not know, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode with your husband. Um, talking about people have been hurt by church. So um, that's a really good conversation that we, we touched on some of these things, but go back and listen to that. All right. So we've hit six. We got three more. What's the seven? Yeah. The seven, the enthusiasts, uh, they just want to know like what, you know, what's happening, like what fun thing can they get into? What, you know, they love the stimulation in the environment. So they walk in and they're like, oh, the music is great. The speaker is engaging and funny um, or engaging and serious. We're not, we don't always have to be funny. Um, but we want, but we want to know that there's, it's a, there's just like this stimulation around it. Like, I love what they're doing. I want to be a part of this. There's life there. Yeah. They, they really care about that. They can feel it. You know, they're very in tune to what's happening in the environment and they, they're very perceptive. And so the seven really feels like I want this to be um, an exciting place for me to, to be a part of. I want to plug into something that is um, stimulating, exciting, and they're making a difference. And I can see myself getting involved in this in some way. And the, the interesting thing, again, we could go for hours on this, but we're not going to the seven, even though we're all about the fun and the the jumping around, we have a six wing. So we're, we're still that cautious as well. So we're like this Jekyll and Hyde of, we want to go, but we don't want to go too far, commit to too much. And then, so there's all these different pieces. That's why like learning the Enneagram is, can be one of the best things for your communications is you just learn how different people are wired and it opens you up to a whole different world to communicate with them. So that's a seven. What about an eight? The eight, the protective challenger. And I always like to put that protective piece in there because the eights get a bad rap a lot of the times. Um, but eights are strong leaders. So they walk into an environment and they're scanning the environment. Like, are these people capable? Um, are they holding the audience's attention? You know, is this going smoothly? Where can I lean in and lead? That's an eight. They want to lead. Uh, and so they're really looking for that in, in a church environment, like, is there space for me to lead something? Is there space for me to be involved if they want to do that, if that's their goal? Um, but they, they want, you know, they really care about competency. You know, they really care about um, just the integrity of the organization. And so it's a big deal for an eight. So they're really paying attention to a lot of different things in the moment, um, as well as leaning into a little bit of that seven wing, right? As well as uh, wanting the environment to be stimulating and exciting and fun and something that they can enjoy and be a part of. And then the nine is what? The nine is the peacemaker. Um, you know, and I say peacemaker, not peacekeeper. I say it all the time with nines. I want you to be a peacemaker. I want there to be movement in your making. I don't want you to be a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper where you just hold tight and you just go with the flow. Uh, you know, the goal for you is to actually use your voice. You have great ideas and you have great insight. And so for a nine, they really though are looking for an environment that is peaceful and, and harmonious. Um, and you know, it's safe and they're looking for like, what does a children's area look like? What does the coffee shop look like? What is, you know, the front when I'm greeted, what does that look like? Does it feel nice? Does it feel safe? Does it feel peaceful? They're 
really looking at that, how they're engaging with people. If it feels too crazy and too chaotic and, you know, things are not going right, they're going to, they're going to feel like, oh, I don't know about this. So they really are looking for a place that is peaceful, um, that they can worship and, and it can be loud and all those things. Uh, it just needs to have order. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode to tell you about a free resource I've put together for you. When you sign up, I'll send you five emails spread across five days to help you determine your church's one-of-a-kind flavor so you can begin setting yourself apart from every other church in town. This process is part of the messaging and strategy sessions I do for businesses and churches that normally cost $2,500. After one of these sessions, a lead pastor once told me that they'd been trying to figure this out for 10 years and I helped them nail it in under an hour. You can have this resource completely free by going to solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email and signing up. That's solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email for your free resource. Now let's get back to today's show. This, I just thought this question, it wasn't on our show notes, so I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, in all of your work, what's the most common Enneagram numbers for um lead pastors, senior pastors, or, or people who communicate from stage and kind of do those type of things? Have you found a, a trend? Well, I think like, I, I, you know, I hate to say that to any, anybody can lead. Correct. Okay. Anybody can lead. Any Enneagram number can lead. I see a lot of three pastors and a lot of eight pastors. Um, you know, I have a, I have a, a good roster of people. And, and so when it comes into, who am I getting and, and um, what does it look like? And are, how are they leading? You know, that eight, three takes the cake for sure. Um, sevens are great leaders as well. Um, you know, they have a lot of energy. They need a little bit more structure a lot of the times, but if they have a great team behind them, they can run hard and fast. I've seen a lot of three, eight and sevens, especially in the church plant world. Yeah. Um, those three. And then I've found um, a lot of times your executive pastors, you're more behind the scenes people. Those are sixes a lot of times. That's exactly my thought. Yes. Ones too. I've got some sixes and ones that okay. fit that role, uh, which makes a lot of sense to me. So for, for the, the lead communicators, the main communicators in that three, seven and eight role, what's the biggest blind spot they have when communicating to people that they just, they don't see it and don't realize what they're doing? I think the understanding around the three, seven, and eight, they're in the assertive stance. And so they go after the world with force and they are not afraid to take on new adventures. They're not afraid to take on risk. Um, you know, they, and they all do it in a different way. But one of the things that I think we have to be mindful of is there's a lot of people that don't move as fast as that three, seven, and eight. And so we can run people over. We can get really frustrated. Why are they not moving? Why are they not seeing the passion I have? Why are they not grabbing a hold of this vision? I've casted. Um, well, you've got to give people time. And so you cannot give an idea and expect people to run as hard as you're running day two of the idea. And I think for, for those of us in those roles, um, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here, uh, we get bored really easily. So if something hasn't caught on in the first three or four weeks of us rolling it out, we're like, okay, this isn't working. Let's move to something else. And what's really going on is we've been processing it for weeks or months longer. So an event or a teaching series or whatever it is, we think, okay, they're not getting it. We have to move. We have to do something different when it's really like we've got to commit to doing this longer 
and um, letting people catch up with us instead of running so fast away from something that we move on right as they were like, oh, okay, I was starting to get into that. And so it, like a teaching series, we don't like doing more than four week teaching series because we think people get bored. When in reality, it's like, no, by week four, they've come twice. They haven't been there every week. And so really they need a six to eight week teaching series to fully get what we're trying to get, give them. And we're only giving them four weeks or a lead up time to, to an event. We think, okay, three weeks, that's plenty of time to tell somebody about it. Cause no one's making plans before then. When in reality, the ones, the fives, the, um, the fours, they're like, oh, tell me something six months from now, I can put it on the calendar and that way I can play or three months from now, whatever it is, they like to have that lead up time so they can wrap their head around. Those details. I think it's the details, but it is one of those things over communicate, over communicate because we have it in our head, what we're going to do, but nobody else does. So a lot of our audience that listens to this is uh, in that more administrative communications role as well. So they're leading up with the th- to the three, seven, eight lead pastors, but they're probably more of the sixes, the, the fives, the strategic people. Um, so what are the blind spots of those more strategic type of learners? What are they missing out on that they think people are understanding, but they're not actually communicating to them well? I think that's a good question too. You know, what's the blind spot or I want to say what's the holdup? So sometimes the five, six, one, you know, there's lots of questions, you know, twos all think about it. Three, sevens and eights are leaders. Most, most of the time, all the other numbers fall under them in some capacity or another. So it is, what is the, you know, what's your blind spot? Sometimes it's just, why are you poking holes? Like, is it beneficial to poke holes? Yeah. I I always say, if you don't have a six on your team, get a six on your team. They will slow you down, but they will save you so much money and time because they're asking questions that, you know, the more fast paced people are not slowing down to, to ask themselves. So we've talked about how different people in our church learn differently. And we've talked about how our leadership team Um, Our senior leaders may be wired one way while our support staff and strategic people are wired a different way. Mm -hmm. So when we combine all of this together, we only have a limited time to communicate with people in our church, whether it's social, whether it's on the weekend or whatever it is. And it'd be nearly impossible to craft a message for each individual type of learner. Um, And then trying to combine all nine into one message wouldn't work either. So as we think through what to do and how to change our approach, what's the number one thing we should work on in order to communicate better to the different learning styles? Empathy and compassion. Hands down, empathy and compassion. And and this is what I mean, and this is how I describe it. And so I hope that this is helpful for you to grab a hold of. But, you know, sympathy is, you know, somebody fell into the hole, right? So there's a big hole in the ground and somebody fell into it. Sympathy is walking by that person and being like, oh, man, I hate that you fell in the hole. That really stinks for you. Um, I hope you can get out of that and you kind of move on. But you don't you don't feel it. And it's almost kind of like you know, like, yeah, they, they fell in that hole. I wouldn't fall in that hole. Like, I don't know what they did to fall in that hole, but I'm not falling in that hole kind of thing. Sympathy, you know, where you're not really in it with the person. It's a little bit um, like, yeah, that stinks that that happened to you and you move on. Empathy is actually looking in the hole and recognizing there's stairs in the hole. I'm going to climb down and I'm going to sit with the person in the hole. Now, it is not codependency. So we're not saying take all of that person's stuff and put it on your shoulders and then carry it, which a lot of the times I think- She's speaking to you, (laughs) Tooth. Or I'm I'm actually- 
basically speaking to anybody in leadership and pastoral care too, right? Where a lot of the times we want to fix people. We want to fix the situation. So we are like, we'll just take it on our shoulders, lighten the load for you, and then you can feel better. But then we feel the weight. It's like secondary trauma. We feel the weight of people's situations and carry the weight of people's situations, which we were never intended to do that because we're supposed to cast all of our cares on God because he cares for us, right? And so we need to teach people how to cast their cares on God instead of casting their cares on us as leaders or support staff or pastors and ministry. And so I think that this piece of empathy of understanding, like me going into the pit to be with somebody does not mean I have to fix them, but it does mean I ask them questions. How did you get here? How can I help you? What would be support for you? What does it look like for, you know, for me to come alongside you? What does that look like? So you're not fixing them. You're asking them what they need. That's a big difference. And then once we understand what they need, it's our messages and what we're saying, we can combine the different things. We can have fun while still giving people some details. Um, We can um, move fast while still bringing other people along and helping them out if they need to know more. So it's all about like just like not just doing one level. It's, it's gotta be multi-leveled, multi-layered in what we're communicating. You know, and that's the goal is that you, that you begin to hear people's stories and you begin to see people's perspective. You begin to understand where they're coming from. And then you take that information and then you can, you know, craft a different message that will speak to your congregation because everybody's congregation is different too. And the way that they receive information, what they're longing for, all of it's, you know, it's really interesting. You can go into, you know, we live in Nashville. Oh my gosh, there's a church on every corner, right? And so they're not all speaking the same type of message or in the same way. And so it's really important for you to not grab a hold of somebody else's message as if it's yours, but really listen to your congregation, what they're needing to hear. Um, allow the Holy Spirit to do that work and speak truth to you so that you can deliver a message with empathy and compassion to the people that you're entrusted with. And one of the things I've said on here probably a a bunch of different times, and it's one of the leading things I go by. um, It's an old saying that I was taught by uh, Elmer Towns in seminary when Elmer was probably in his seventies at the time. Um, Methods are many principles are few methods may change, but principles never do. And so the principles of what we are communicating are never going to change, but it's up to us to change our methods so that we can communicate best and most effectively to the people in our church. So Jackie, before we let you go, um, tell us about your book that just came out this week. So Hearing God Speak, it's a 52-week Enneagram devotional that is tailored to all nine types. And so it has a a devotional part, like a scripture, a devotional to it. And then I go through all nine types and how that specific scripture speaks to each Enneagram number over topics that are really relevant to you today. And so I'd love for you guys to pick up the book. Um, There's application questions, there's prayer prompts, there's uh, meditation practices in it. So I really, you know, one of my favorite parts of this is they allowed me to put it meditation. So I get to teach you how to meditate on the word of God. So it's not this weird thing, you know? And one of the cool parts about the book is that it has all nine types. So if you are interested in learning how other people learn who are different than you, you can read through the book and you've geared everything towards each individual number. So you can see what it takes to really dive in and speak to the different learning types throughout your communications. Yes. I think that just for you saying that right there and this, you know, knowing what we're doing on this podcast as far as leadership and, and how do we communicate to 
the masses, um, even though they have all different, you know, ways that they take in information, this could be a huge resource for you just for you to see, oh, that's what happens when I talk about this scripture. This is where these people are coming from. It's so different, you know, understanding. So yes, I love, I love that perspective. And we can get it pretty much anywhere books are sold, right? So yeah. Amazon, anywhere. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's hearing God speak. It's out now. Um, Jackie, thanks so much for hanging out with us for a little bit today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. That's it for this week on Solving Problems. Next week, we'll be talking to Kyle Mercer, the lead pastor of Two Cities Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, about how people need a map, not a menu. We'll dive more into that then. But for now, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast platform you choose. Share it with a friend if it helped you out. And make sure you sign up for your free resource at solvingproblemspodcast.com slash email so you can discover your church's one-of-a-kind flavor and begin setting yourself apart from every other church in town. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and I hope you have a great week. 